0: You are now listening to Conscientization 101 an online magazine combining reflection, music and action through independent media.
1: It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men and I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101 to see Sister Zari there and the brother James and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people about what's really going on in this world.
2: Conscientization
1: 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, so-called conscious movement, they're not actually living in that in that lifestyle. Bakers. That's why, you know, obviously, yourself, we're in the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to, because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things, and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So, everything is people-based. Globally
0: conscientizing. What's making me proud of what, um, this kind of connection here is
1: that, you know... Well, no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that. You leave listening to our music with a feeling. Same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling, and um, that is the most important thing for for, for I, I the the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's 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 really important, and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. 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 gonna be just fine.
0: Hello, welcome everybody to another episode of the Conscientization 101 podcast, and I am your host once again, Zari Sundiata, and this episode we are going to have a special treat for you today because we're going to have a little bit of a different format um, than what you're accustomed to, but we think you're going to like it because on this episode, we decided to feature a talk by Dr. Amos N. Wilson. And we digitally remastered this, this talk. Um, we decided to produce this type of episode because a lot of times there are talks from, like, our African elders, which are from, like, the 80s and the 90s. And the sound quality definitely needs improvement. And in the information in those talks are so important that it, that information really cannot be lost. So it's, in, we, it's important that the insight from these elders, you know, that they outlast any, like, changes in technology. And so we decided to just go in, remaster it, you know, and have it so that when they teach us certain lessons, we can build from those. You know, we don't have to keep relearning them. And it's funny because a lot of times Amos Wilson will refer to the children, you know, and at that time in like the 80s and 90s, those children were us like to us as the C101 editors and people that are our age. And when we were growing up, you know, a lot of times people, including our
1: so-called
2: elders,
0: would say, oh, that black stuff is over. It was way in the 60s, which was like, what, 10 years before we were born. So it wasn't even that long ago, but some kind of way it was over.
2: But all it leaves you
0: with are memories, and memories aren't where it's at. And, you know, luckily, through conventional technology, computer technology, we can see that the these talks now, you know, and so that's why we don't want them to be lost, you know. And it's funny because all these people were doing so much work and it just proved these people to be just straight up liars, you know, like. The, so the real question is, what were these naysayers doing at the time when people like Amos Wilson was doing work and teaching these lessons, you know, they, what were they into? That's the question. So, with that being said, we plan to do more of these podcast episodes because we can't afford to keep relearning the lessons our elders taught us, okay? These insights, they need to be available, and it's our responsibility to preserve them. So, with that also being said, I am going to, if you don't know who Dr. Amos Wilson is, I'm going to tell you a little bit about his life. Dr. Amos N. Wilson was a social case worker, supervising probation officer, psychological counselor, training administrator in New York City Department of Juvenile Justice, and assistant professor of psychology at the City University of New York. He was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi in 1941 and completed his undergraduate degree at Morehouse College. He later moved to New York, where he completed his master's at the New School for Social Research before attaining his doctorate from Fordham University, New York City, in the field of general theoretical psychology. People who were familiar with Dr. Amos Wilson referred to him as Brother Amos, and he would travel to give talks at educational, cultural, and political organizations such as the First World Alliance, the African Poetry Theater. African Echoes, House of Our Lord Church, the Patrice Lumumba Coalition, the Slave Theater, and Simotap, to name just a few. His travels took him throughout the United States to Canada and the Caribbean. Dr. Wilson was a businessman who owned various enterprises in the greater New York area. He was a prolific writer who wrote pertinent works in the areas of education, child development, and therapeutic Psychology. Brother Amos Wilson passed away on January 14, 1995. Okay, so the talk that we're going to play today from Brother Amos is entitled Beyond White Racism, Civil Rights, and Onward to African Revolution. This is part one of the discussion where he talks about the following things. The fallacy of progress being connected to the passage of time, the purpose of laws and how and why they are enforced, why jobs, elections, and degrees are not synonymous with power, how education should be used to maintain and fortify power, how racism is not some abstract concept outside the minds of people, the importance of knowing your history as a particular group with a common origin, and the false concept of universalism, quote unquote, and much more. So, now that you know who Dr. Amos Wilson is, we're going to go ahead and get into this talk. Let's get started. 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 Started.
2: Officially, I titled my talk today beyond white racism beyond civil rights, human rights, and into African revolution. I'm going to center on the concept of revolution today. And I will tell you why, because I'm sure some of you will uh, think that that's somewhat passe be talking about revolution. That was something people talked about in the 60s and the 70s, and why I talk about it now. But I think and I hope that as a result of what I have to say here today, you might uh, change your opinion about that particular topic. I'd like to, of course, commend you for your celebration of African history, of African American history. Uh, And of course, we recognize the importance of studying such uh, history. However, I think we still underestimate the value of the study of African history. I think we celebrate it without analyzing it. We uh, search it and look for heroes without understanding that one of its major purposes is to teach us lessons on how to cope with the present and with the future. Not only are those people who do not know their history doomed to repeat it, but those who often misread it are often doomed to repeat it as well And those who misread and perhaps fail to read it at all, may not have a chance to repeat it at all. And I think we have reached this point where our failure to understand history is going to put us in a position where we won't have a chance to learn it again. The survival of our our people is at the crossroads today. And our study of history, then, should be about more than celebrating our heroes, about more than celebrating the struggles, than just keeping eyes on the prize, and those are valuable things, obviously. But we must look at history in terms of coming to understand our current and our future obligations, and what must be accomplished by those things. If if we're not careful, we will be beguiled by our study of history. Many of us who have not studied, for instance, Reconstruction history, the history of the United States, particularly of African Americans, during the 1860s and 70s, may think that we are entering a new era in American history. We may think that the things that we're witnessing today, the elections of blacks to political office, and their appointment to various positions, their activities in various corporations, and so forth is something new in American history. And yet, a study of reconstruction history will quickly convince us that we are currently undergoing deja vu. Many of us see history as a continuing progress upward and onward. We have bought the American concept of progress, the idea that things must, over time, necessarily get better. There is no law in the universe that tells you that your future survival is assured, that you will continue to exist now and into the future. There have been races and ethnic groups who have been virtually wiped out on this planet. And there is no guarantee that your own group will not be wiped out as well. The idea then that you must necessarily uh, arrive at a point greater than those of your ancestors could possibly be an illusion. The idea that somehow through some great automation you are going to be in a better condition than your people is an illusion often of not studying history, and recognizing that progressions and regressions occur in history, that integrations and disintegrations occur in history. History is not a fairy tale where certain things are accomplished and then people live happily ever after. And many of us think then that the accomplishments that we've made up to this point means that we are only going to expand them in the future. I think you had better think about that again. And I'll point out today why we, we must not be so optimistic as to be foolish. In fact, let us go back for a moment to an article written in the Ebony Magazine October 1981, wherein Lerone Bennett, who wrote the book Black Power USA, I think wrote his conclusion to the book. When I read that book, Black Power USA, and I I guess it was published back in what the 60s, maybe, or 70s, at least, early 70s, and I finished reading it, I said, the last chapter of this book is missing. You know, and it went on to laud Black Power during the the Reconstruction era and so forth, and yet somehow the the logical conclusions were not drawn at the end of that book. The lessons that that book implied were not uh, expressed openly and completely. And consequently then, I think some people would have been left with the wrong impression. But lo and behold, he did write the final chapter, but not in the book itself, but in the magazine, the second reconstruction is history repeating itself. This is October 1981. And he titled it, as you can see here, the second time around. Will history repeat itself and rob blacks of the gains of the 1960s? So he's dealing with issue again here. We gained it once and we lost it. Is there any law in the universe that says we will not lose it again? And I like the introduction here. He he, he starts out by saying, over. It was at last, at long last, over and done with. How could anyone doubt it? How could anyone fail to see that the race problem had been solved forever? One man who had no doubt said, all distinctions founded upon race or color have been forever abolished in the United States. Another another who saw things this way said the category of race had been abolished by law and that there were no more colored people in this country. Thus spoke the dreamers and the prophets and victims in the first reconstruction of of the 1860s and the 1870s. I don't think I have to elaborate on this kind of attitude. We run into too many youngsters today. He said, oh, that was in slavery time. Oh, those were the things that you talked about in the 60s, that's the 60s and the 70s. We're in a new day now. <laughs> You're not in a new day, ladies and gentlemen. The same words that we were saying today, the same words that we we're saying today, the same words that people said over 100 years ago. Why are we in a new day when we're saying the same thing that someone said 100 years ago? He goes on to say, And it is worth emphasizing here at the very beginning that these flights into fantasy were based on the same hard facts that gripped the imagination of blacks in the second reconstruction of the 1960s and 70s. There was, for example, a black man in the US Senate in the 1870s, and there was a black governor in Louisiana. In the 1860s and the 1870s, as in the 1960s and 1970s, there were black sheriffs and mayors in the South. And there was open speculation about a black vice presidential candidate. So the Jesse run is not new in in black American history, ladies and gentlemen. There was moreover a network of civil rights laws that seemed to settle the issue beyond all possibility of dispute or recall. Same kind of situation we talked about here today when you try to tell our people that laws don't protect anyone. There are so many of us who believe that fair housing laws and and, uh, anti-discrimination laws and civil rights laws and voting laws and so forth guarantee our freedom. What an illusion. What a flight into fantasy. Laws are no stronger than their enforcers. And the same people who pass those laws are the same people who are responsible for enforcing the law. And if the people then who enforce the law no longer decide to do so, the laws then are of no value and have no power. Ultimately then, fairness rests, and the fairness of treatment rests, not in laws, but in the activities of people. And in the attitude and consciousness of people. And if people who are responsible for enforcing those laws change their attitudes, then the treatment of those people whose freedom is protected by those so-called laws is now changed as well. You cannot put your faith in a white man's law, and in laws enforced by whites. I have warned people many times that if it comes one day where the society has to make a choice between feeding white children and feeding black children, no amounts of civil rights laws or any other laws on the books. Will, not, will prevent those people from feeding their children first. It is a silly faith that we have then in laws. And for people in the 1970s and 80s and 90s to still rest their freedom on the basis of laws, when the very history itself shows us that this cannot be done, we must question their sanity and what they have learned from the study of that history. There was, moreover, a network of civil rights laws, they said, that seemed to settle the issue beyond all possibility of dispute or recall. Back there, 100 years ago, there was a federal law protecting voting, voting rights in the South. Does this all sound vaguely familiar? And there was a national public accommodations law. So the public accommodations law didn't begin with the Freedom Rides, ladies and gentlemen, in the 1960s. We had those back there in the 1860s and 70s as well. So, such in broad outline was the racial situation 100 years ago in the 1860s and 1870s when racism was forever abolished in America for the first time. It was a short forever. And of course, I'm not going to read the whole piece, but there are just segments in here I want to sort of quote, such as almost As almost every schoolboy knows, the first reconstruction ended in a major historical catastrophe that wiped out the gains of the 1860s. As a consequence, it required 100 years and oceans of blood for black people to climb back into the political plateau they occupied in the 1860s and 70s. So as I stated earlier, history contains both progress and regress. However, I think regress at this point of history will not be a situation where we uh, will be able to fight a battle all over again. I think regress at this point of history essentially spells annihilation for Africans, not only in America, but for Africans the world over. For as I said, he went on to say in Black Power USA, and as Du Bois said before me in Black Reconstruction, Reconstruction in all of its various facets was a supreme lesson for America, the right reading of which might still mark a turning point in our history. So consequently then, as I stated earlier, we must read the history correctly. The mere approaching of history in terms of the celebrating of personalities to a good degree while important is also a misreading of history as well, we must not only celebrate Martin Luther King and the others, we must look at the lessons that history teaches us. He mentions here a war on poverty that went on in the 1860s and 70s, the Freedmen's Bureau. And and putting on the books, Civil Rights Laws, which were in some instances stronger than the civil rights laws passed in the 1960s and 70s. In the wake of these events, there was an explosive growth in black consciousness. And the blacks made, and blacks made political gains, gains which surpassed in many instances the political gains black made in the 1960s and 70s. A lesson that says what, ladies and gentlemen, that the election of black men and women does not secure the salvation of African people. And that the election of black mayors and governors and your getting jobs for white cooperation in no way assures the survival of black people. Mm -hmm. And we cannot make then the progress of black people synonymous with your qualifying for degrees and your getting jobs downtown. (laughs) And we we must wake up to this possibilities because we've had this game played on us before. At one time, in fact, black legislators were in the majority in the South Carolina legislature. In the same period as in the comparable period in the 1960s and 70s, poor whites received social and economic benefits rich whites had denied them. Once we got in, we were even good to the poor folks. We we set up public school systems and a whole lot of other things. The key element, and and he he goes on then to talk about various other things, but I think we should keep in mind Here, a number of things, if you have a chance, read this particular article, because I think it's very, very uh, important. And this, I'll conclude by reading this. Long discussions about the morals and educational qualifications of blacks obscure the main point. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. The worst thing that can be said about some leaders of the Reconstruction period is that they did not seem to understand that the only issue was power. We don't talk about that issue very much today even. It seems to frighten many of us. One final point is relevant to an understanding of the power realities of the social movements of both the first and second reconstructions, in both cases, social and political leaders failed to provide the economic balance that made political balance viable. No one understood this better than the black masses of the 1860s who said in marches and demonstrations that their freedom was not secure without a firm economic foundation. So I think again then, when we look and celebrate Frederick Douglass and and, um, Harriet Tubman and others, we should again look at the essential issues. If, as I will emphasize a bit later on here, your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power, either. Uh, Buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. Uh, If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. (laughs) If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately, those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. We must understand the tremendous value of the study of history for the gaining of power. That's why we study history. History has very practical outcomes and very practical meanings. Why is it do you think that the other people object to your putting in an African curriculum in New York City Schools? You think it's merely because they hate you? Merely because they don't know know your history? Merely because they're prejudiced? If you think so, you, you're sadly mistaken. Because these people know, I think better than we do, that a sound approach to history represents an empowerment of a people. Not merely the uh, making them feel good or not. And I read a long piece this summer in the New York Times about the efforts of many blacks to push uh, the African curriculum on college campuses, particularly in California. And of course, one of the white instructors there indicated very clearly that this is about power. They recognized it right away. This is about power, not just about including black people in the curriculum. This the way this history will be taught and projected represents who will be in power and who will rule whom in this world today. So consequently, as we raise the issue in New York State about the inclusionary situation, you will see then the the aspects of, of white supremacy raising its ugly head. Some of you I'm sure are familiar with the current so-called controversy in the City Sun this week There is an article called Regents Face Controversial Report on Minorities. And uh, the the writer here, David Bowder, is uh, writing, uh, makes some quotations from letters received by the uh, regents and others, objecting to the inclusions of of African history and other people's history into the uh, educational curricula of uh, the state of New York. One woman worried about the destruction of our Western culture, and she recognized it. It rec- the destruction of our Western culture. Another woman criticized the regents for a disgraceful anti-white proposal. The inclusion of the truth about African people in history represents an anti-white proposal. On a certain level, though, she's not wrong. And on a certain level, it, uh, The statement about the destruction of Western culture is not wrong, because Western culture, the enslaver of African people, the destroyer of African people, the the, the greater of African people should be destroyed. (laughs) White people the degraders of African people and enslavers and killers and murderers of African people should be removed from power. I will talk to you later. A lot of you want to play games with your minds and hide behind words like racism, as if racism can exist by itself in some kind of vacuum and as if it is not something that must be acted out by real flesh and blood people, you know. It's like when people talk about the economy. I was thinking, the economy? There are people involved in economic activities, real people. White racism is not a concept. It is active people engaged in a certain type of interaction with other people. And if you are to remove racism, you must remove their capacity to engage in these activities. You gotta face it up front. But they have you now abstractions when the reality is still destroying you. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. One wrote, maybe we need the Klan back. Of course, they haven't gone, really. (laughs) And he described himself as a veteran, a voter, and a taxpayer. (laughs) Tony Brown, of course, mentioned Tony Brown did a show, a a series of shows uh, here locally some weeks back. And as a result of that, he wrote that many white prince think that black people don't pay taxes. You know, they don't think black people have been to war and so this guy writes as a veteran, a voter, and a taxpayer. <laughs> Somehow, you know, we don't do these things. Raising the specter of racism in education, the task force that is the task force that wrote the report said New York's history courses overemphasize the contributions of white Europeans and minimize the accomplishment a minority that largely ignores wrongs committed by whites against others. Critics accuse the task force of trying to drive a wedge between the races. What a game. Oh, we've been together all this time, I guess. They say the state's education leaders should be more concerned with crumbling schools, high dropout rates, and drug addiction, as if these things are not related to the other things. Columnist George Will ended the report, called the report, affirmative action run amok. He said, the perverse attempts to purge American culture of Eurocentrism ignored the fundamental truth that the central ideas behind American institutions come from Europe. Hmm. Says (laughs) That's exactly the point. They come from Europe. I think the report should be thrown away. Diane Ravitch, a history professor at Columbia University's Teachers College, the premier Teachers College, right? The one that you all are so proud to get your degrees from? Mm-hmm. The American Federation of Teachers President, Albert Shanker, condemning the report's finding, labeled it the Sobol Report, that is the commissioner, state commissioner. A recent profile of Governor Mario Cuomo in New York Magazine cited the report in dismissing Sobel as one of Cuomo's less-than-brilliant commissioners, and so forth. So what, why are these people objecting then to history and the history of African people? We must recognize then, ladies and gentlemen, that history is more than merely remembering one's past. <clears throat> that history is a very practical thing. Those of you in psychology, no doubt have studied the abnormality referred to as amnesia. And if you haven't looked it up and see the effects amnesia has on different various patients, you think often that not knowing your history in no way harms you, but certainly it does. As a matter of fact, you are more a victim of history by not knowing it than in knowing it. What happened to African people during the slavery period is pressingly present in the youngest black child today. We must recognize that in the human mind, there is no such thing as the past. In the human mind, the past is always present. And everything you do, every way you look at the world and relate to other people in the world, every way you interpret the world, your very, the very way you move your body, the very way you talk is the result of your historical experience. When we talk about the so-called black dialect or the way black people talk, It's just not merely a way we communicate with each other. The very way we speak, the very words we use, the very tonalities we speak, reflect a history. Just talking to our children passes on a history to them. No matter what you are saying, your very voice represents the historical experience. I will talk a bit later on then to have you understand that the psychology of our children is different from that of the psychology of white children. The psychologies you are studying in this college are incorrect and are going to, to make you dumber. And in many ways, with all your good intention, send you out to cripple these children and to cripple black people as a whole. Because the psychology of a people this is the psychology of an individual developed from the history and experience of that people. As they, experience, as they develop from the history and experience of the individual. To understand your own individual psychology, a person must understand your own history and experience. They cannot take the psychology of another person based on their history and experience and explain yours. Neither can you take the psychology of another people with a different history and experience and destiny and use that psychology to understand yourselves and to understand your children. And nor can you take that psychology and appropriately educate your children and direct your own destiny. It is impossible. And yet you you have classrooms filled with general and and introductory psychologists written by white men and women and think you're learning some some neutral, non-political psychology. There's no such thing as a neutral and non-political psychology. There is no neutral and non-political course in this institution. And I'm talking even about physics, mathematics, and computer science. I heard some jokingly, I'm like, there is no black chemistry. There is no black physics. Lies. Lies. Because you must understand that chemistry and physics and mathematics and all flows from the consciousness and mind of man. They do not exist apart from that. That science flows from the political and social and economic organization of a people. Science just does not pop up in the minds of geniuses. People must exist in a particular political, social, historical context in order for science to develop and to flourish. And unless you know the historical political context in which science is created and motivated, you will not create science. You will then educate some people who can think in science, and then those same people will be used by your enemies to destroy you and your children. If you saw the program the other evening about blacks in space, how many of you saw that Monday? To whom? To the enemy? So that enemy, taking advantage of those advanced cameras that they invented, taking advantage of of the moon uh, vehicles and so forth they invented, can from 500 and 600 miles out in space, rain death and destruction on black people on this earth. And therefore, if you do not prepare the appropriate economic and political circumstances, in which your children are to operate, they will be hired and be used to destroy you as an individual and to destroy you as people. And I will talk to you later on when you look at a Colin Powell who sits at the, at the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, so-called leading the American Armed Forces, and the very first time he leads the forces, he leads them against black people.
1: Black, destitute of light, devoid of color, enveloped in darkness, hence utterly dismal or gloomy, as the future looked black. Black, black, black. Yo Taylor, niggas been out the hood too long. Act like they done forgot what the fuck it mean to be black in the USA. He's bad! Died fight for a Viper, 20-inch chrome bladed Most hated black man on the jersey. tag black. Tenant windows, amps about to crack the pavement Turnpike in it, master don't like it Cause I'm black. state troopers wanna fuck with me Cause all they daughters wanna fuck with me I'm man I keep a black. dime piece riding shotgun I got the mac 11 and the shotgun I got some black. talents, but I don't be wildin Invest a little money, then I'm off on an island I'm young black. and ain't dead yet My adversaries watch, these politicians just hate the fact that I I'm black, and I'm still breathing, team still eating, while all your lily white youngers try for the beat. black, while you kill us off, they front, that's the difference, act black, rap black, but when the shit get, black. in the hood, it's obvious who's dying, just trying, to live to see another day, black, Body's Now it seems everybody's in the cabinet key. We moving top, we like migrant workers moving block to block. Serving Gray lie, we telling Black. cops ain't no police in the hood. Keep running with these slave traders and you may well get it. How many youths and coppers tell me the truth? Gotta die by your gun before your gun gets you. The quasi white rappers that the labels is signing. Half these motherfucking wiggers don't know nothing about rhyming. I know some Black. MCs who can use that deal, flip that mill. Us niggas got a nation to feed. I bleed Black. when I bleed. You can call me crazy. I can't deny it. when I try. Every day they remind me that it's a fucking problem. Crackers play me like I'm about to rob them. I got dough, but the bottle's big, with no plans are changing. In the midst of all it gets burning, I remain the same, cause being in the hood. It's obvious who's dying, just trying. Full of prisons, the cemeteries in the soup kitchens. Heavenly Father, forgive me for being what? to the death of me. And I'll be back at the resurrection, insurrection, or whatever's first. What? Wall Street builder, fly, young lady, kill a six, seven. Chevy hit the 16. Switch in a church next for the game like Gary Kittles. I hit the J Sun kid. You don't wanna let the man live. Feed his camp kids on what it was, what it is, and again y'all be Miss America when the black soldier holler. Pop your collar, don't just stand there, holler. When you see me, I'm the truth like Beanie. So what your mom's white, your pops a nigga, girl, you still don't twist it. Better yet, don't forget it. Let a nigga hit it. Better act like you know it's your only option? Think I'm lying, ask Kobe Bryant. Nicole Richie, act like she don't see the body's full of prisons. The cemeteries in the soup kitchens. Politicians make it better be it. It's a fucking problem. Crackers say me like I'm about to rob 'em. I got no problems being clack no plans of changing in the midst of all the gaps banging i remain the same cause being Clap. in the hood it's obvious who's dying just trying to live to see another day crack
2: of you saw 60 Minutes last week? Yeah. How many saw this colored lady sit there and defend racial discrimination? As a result of, of, of investigation in New York State, two black people uh, exposed activities by major employment agencies, I mean tons of them in the state, who were through code discriminating against black people. And in the, in, in two black employees left those agencies because they were sick and tired of the discrimination that was going on. And of course you saw old uh, Abrams there trying to take all the credit. What was it, Cosmopolitan Employment Agency? Yeah, owned by Norrell, and of course the CBS crew ran a standard experimental deal where they made a resume, sent a black woman and then sent the white woman and of course you know the tale, no job for the black woman. And this white woman walked in 10 minutes later, jobs all over the place, even offered a cab fare to the interview, offered a walk to the subway, a whole bit, <laughs> the woman vastly more qualified then the white woman, What is the white woman uh, typing what fifty words a minute with fifteen mistakes, black woman seventy-two words a minute, three mistakes, you know that kind of stuff. And now they decide they will go to the spokesperson or whoever it was for the company, and lo and behold, who's sitting there to defend the company? But a black woman, and it was a chilling experience to watch the whole body language her whole expressionless face, and how far and abstracted she was from reality. As the announcer presented her with the memo, where the memo was talking about the practice, and she says, this is not on, uh, she says, our letterhead is not on this memo. We are proud of our letterhead. How far is that from nasty as we sit? (laughs) You haven't come in from anywhere. You know, we are proud of our letterhead. And yet this kind of game goes on and on. And this is what you're headed for. And this, students, is what you are being prepared to do. You are being prepared to put a black face on white power and to defend white interests. And you must be ignorant of history are misreaded in order to play this kind of game. And that's one of the reasons why they don't want it put in there correctly and have it correctly understood. Just read one part of something here for a second. And I use this illustration. Some of you who may want to see a more extensive uh, discussion of this uh, particular article in the Omni Magazine February 1984, titled Timeless Minds. You might want to get the lecture I delivered from Brother Brown here at the um, the House of the Lord Church. What was it, two Wednesdays ago, I believe, where I talk about it and then I I discussed it more extensively at African Echoes over a year ago and brother yourself probably can uh, cue you in on that. I'm just gonna read only a fraction of this because it's so filled with meaning. It it, it reads, when I wake you, the past will be gone, Dr. Bernard Aronson of the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute told a deeply hypnotized student. We discussed in that lecture I just mentioned in House of the Lord about the, uh, the fact that we as a people are in a chronic state of hypnosis. You're in hypnosis right at this moment. These classes that you're going to are hypnotizing you. And I talked about what hypnosis meant and I impressed upon the people the fact that the essential ingredients of hypnosis was a social relationship that is a hypnotist relating to the client in a particular way You see? And the acceptance of that relationship by both parties and the use of words. That was all. That was all That's all that ever goes on in a hypnotic session, isn't it? Two people relating to each other in a social arrangement and words passing back and forth. Doesn't that adequately describe the classroom situation? (laughs) Do you think you're merely sitting here and there getting information and knowledge? The very fact that you think that that is what's happening means you're hypnotized already. (laughs) (laughs) When the post-hypnotic suggestion took hold, the student became drowsy and infantile, losing both memory and the powers of speech. Later he reported a vague sense of meaninglessness. What are we saying here? The hypnotist, by manipulating this man's attitude toward his past, manipulated his consciousness and real capacities and abilities. Just just not, he just wasn't in a state of illusion. He he had memory problems. He had problems getting meaning out of life. He, He lost his sense of purpose in life he became lethargic and drowsy and sleepy you know fall asleep at night reading the books confused in other words then the manipulation of history creates real effects in the individual's personality so it is not an absence of knowledge that's occurring when you are not taught your history, you are put into a state of consciousness and many of your abilities are wiped out and destroyed as a result thereof. That is why your history is not being taught to you correctly, so that your potential will be forever undeveloped as a people and you will not challenge those people who rule over you. And even though this world is only ruled over by 10% of its population, the European, the other 90% in order to be ruled over must literally be out of their minds. You as a people have to be crazy to be in the position that you're in. Your your, your, Your state of consciousness has to be one that is deceptive has to be one that is filled with lies and misinformation and misorientation. How can you inhabit the richest continents on this earth and be the poorest people living on it? How can Japan, with no resources at all, be seen as the richest and most powerful nation on this earth, except that those people who have the earth's natural wealth see themselves as poverty-stricken and are poverty-stricken in their consciousness? You will see later on then, that if the education doesn't wake you up from this, you are still going to be servants. You think perhaps that your ability to choose various courses at this school and other schools, your capacity now to choose whether you will be a computer scientist or this or that, means that you've advanced beyond your great-great-grandparents who were slaves. You have not advanced one bit. We don't have time to talk today about what I call the European constants, those things that remain the same, despite all the apparent changes that occur in the world. As a matter of fact, the changes that occur in the world are meant to maintain the very basic constants. Integration is not just uh, an idea of black people, it is an idea pushed by the white ruling class. You have to understand that it is to their advantage to run this game on black people's minds. You must understand that the slaves were not mere field hands and house servants. You had slaves with many skills, all types of skills. Carpenters and iron workers and and millwrights and shipbuilders and you name it, they had it. Many did not just work on the plantations or in the house, they actually went out and followed professional jobs and bought the monies back to their slave masters. So the idea that you're picking up a skill does not advance you any farther than they were. Because in the end, the basic constant remains the same. And what is that constant? Working for someone else's profit. It does not matter that you're going to get degrees and whatever you get them in, you'll still end up as your great grandparents were, working for a white man and working for the benefits of other people without working for yourself. So then an education that does not liberate you from this. And in many times in history, ladies and gentlemen, slaves and servants educated their masters, but they were still slaves and servants. So knowledge alone will not free you. The development of skills alone will not free you. You must understand that you have to overthrow the situation that you're in. I demonstrated in the African Echoes lecture that it is the forgetting of our history that has robbed us of very practical skills. If you really forgot everything you learned in the past, do you know you wouldn't know how to talk. You wouldn't know how to walk. You know that everything you operate on is something you've learned in the past, and forgetting that past means that you learn, you, you forget very practical abilities. This is the case with the people. The Koreans and other uh, Asians and other groups or defeating African Americans in their own communities economically by using the oldest African economic techniques that's ever been around. But because we forgot our history, we forgot the techniques for raising money to get control of our economic circumstances. You understand? So the forgetting of history was not merely a forgetting of heroes and how great we were. It was forgetting economic and other techniques When you read the history of Shaka Zulu and others, you will learn political science. You will learn how to control nations and empires. You will learn what destroys nations and what maintains nations and groups. You learn then statecraft, administration. You learn all of those things because those things are embedded in the history of our people. When you look at the black family today, I see many people talking about the black family. Without, first of all, defining what the family is and what it's about. Starting a discussion assuming that a a family is what Europeans say it is. Without having any knowledge of the relationship between family and social and political circumstances and historical circumstances. Without going back and studying the history of African families. Because if you studied the history, you would recognize that Africa presents a whole host of family styles and orientations from which we now, as a people, can choose so that we can create a strong black family today and tomorrow. This is real. This means children being loved. This means children being cared for. This means children being appropriately educated. Children being fed and so forth. So the knowing of that history, the understanding of that history is not merely then a celebration of lost heroes. It is essential to our very functioning and our very survival as a people. And it is essential ultimately to the overthrow of those who rule us. And they are more aware of it than are we. So we must understand the lessons of history and we must study our past. What is the past? Where is the past? It is, not, is it nothing which was something? Is it something left behind, discarded, dis- detached, forgotten, without influence and thereby of no account? Does it or can it exist outside the mind and memory? Or is it not present in our genes? What I, I'm saying here in a minute, when I talk about Black children, black children are not children who happen to be black. The very color of your skin is a historical statement. It's just not a coloration. It represents hundreds and thousands of years of evolution. The very genes that you carry in your bodies are not merely the mechanism and biochemical means by which your body is maintained and shaped, by which you took on shape and form. Your genes contain the capsulized history of black people since the very beginning of time. The whole evolutionary, political, social, biological, geographical, climatological history of black people is contained right in your genetic structure. And therefore, our children carry the total history of black people right in their bodies today. And therefore, their blackness and their bodies then are not merely bodies that have been colored. Those bodies carry the history and existence of black people, the past and they must carry the future. Where we, where we carry, or is it not present in our genes where we carry the evolutionary existence of our kind and are we not then its present unfolding, evolvement and manifestation? Or is it not congealed in concrete and mortar, stone and steel structures and pathways? Is it not still present in its negation, in its reconstitution, when it is transformed into something new? Isn't the new then something old? History, consciousness, unconsciousness, comprehended, uncomprehended, never ceases to be. It is only transformed. As transformation, history is always here and now. Here today, there tomorrow. History is past, present, and future. It is destiny. If we will to transform destiny, we must will to transform history. Want to move rapidly into another segment here today where I'm talking, where I wish to talk about revolution. And I am about revolution, and I am about preparing this race for a racial confrontation with those who now rule this earth. Because in this situation, it's either going to be those who rule or us, one way or the other. You want to hold on to your little dreams about little black boys holding hands with little black girls and white girls and so forth. You hold on to them. And then you're welcome to them and you can try, you can die dreaming them if you wish. But let's try to wake up to a greater reality. To bring about, I indicate when I talk about black children and why I talk about a psychology of the black child. I mentioned the fact, as I mentioned earlier, that the history of black people are different, therefore the psychology of black people is different. Consequently, if you're gonna understand the psychology of black children, you have to understand the history of black people. And therefore, as I stated to you earlier, you cannot go into European psychology to deal with the psychology of black children. That's one reason why I wrote The Developmental Psychology of the Black Child. The other reason, of course, was the fact that the black child's body is not a duplicate of the European child's body. We are not colored people who are merely different according to uh, to the color of our skin. There's more to it than that, ladies and gentlemen. Your children represent the oldest race on this earth, the mother and father of all other of the races. They represent, as I told you earlier, that total history, their bodies as such. So they are not duplicates of white children. Under the circumstances, I pointed out how they are born intellectually more advanced than is a white child. They do things on their first day of life, the second day of life, that it takes a white child six or more months to do. They come out with the brain that if you test it through EEG and other methods, demonstrates very clearly that they are more intellectually advanced than those of white children. You must understand history is not merely something that happens to people, it becomes a total part of their body and their existence. And you must understand that history to understand your children. And it's the failure to understand that. I also demonstrate that history is not something that just occurs, we must study psychohistory. That is the psychological results of undergoing historical experiences. And to a very great extent, The problem with the education of black children, the crack epidemic, and all of these other things we complain about day in and day out are the result of a psychology that that flows from a particular type of historical experience. You have a school system that is based upon the psychology of white children and white people. And you are trying then to educate your children on the basis of that that system. They are bound to fail. The very structure of this college itself is based upon a white model and therefore it has a built-in failure mechanism for you. One way or the other. Because you don't understand that your historic experience has changed the very way you think. Your very style of thinking, your very style of learning your very style of relating one to the other has been transformed by your historical experience. must understand. When you go into your psychology classes, you must understand that in order for the European to maintain his rulership over the world, even though he's 10% of the world's population, he must keep black like people in a particular state of mind. It is necessary that you be backwards. It is necessary that this room be as falsely attended today as it is with the College of the South. You must avoid things that have some meaning to you and flock toward things that are, are, are destructive to your future. Or else we wouldn't be oppressed, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you understand oppression Rest on people going places and enjoying pleasures that destroy, destroy them, and who are excited by nonsense and bored by stuff that they should be learning. Don't you understand that is the foundation upon which uh, the oppression of a people rests? You think that your being here and not being here is an expression of your freedom of choice. It is an expression of your enslavement. In this world where things are backwards, those who are oppressed must be feel freest when they are most enslaved. Yeah, and this is the result. But if you don't understand the history, people will say, "Well, why do we act like this? Why can't we get along? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that?" No people are born the way they should be for a culture. Every culture does what trains teaches its people to be what it needs to continuously exist. existence. You cannot turn your children over to other people and turn yourself over to other people and expect to be the right people for yourself. You're out of your minds if you think so. Those people are going to educate you in their interest. And I don't blame them. Understand? You get run over by buses and tractors and everything to put your children in the hands of an enemy that tells you, "I don't want to be bothered with them. I don't believe in them. I hate their guts. I intend for them to stay on the bottom forever." And you just make all kinds of sacrifices to push them in there. And then you want—they can't read. They can't write. They're so misbehaving. <laughs> don't you know you you have to be in that position if you're to be ruled over? You think it's going to be the other way around? But somehow we try again and again to accomplish the same thing by the same failing means. Don't you know that is the premier sign of neurotic behavior? Doing the same thing over and over again, despite the fact that it fails time and time again. And your only solution is to try harder and harder and harder. That's the essence of neurotic behavior. And yet we fall for it. Jesus was a radical. Careful, yes he was. Careful. Jesus was a radical. Mental institutions are filled with people he who have confused them themselves with Jesus David. Christ. Well, I'm not. Oh, confused. you convinced you Jesus Christ now? No. Uh, you convinced you Jesus Christ? Oh, you know on. what words do? Okay. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> Don't want to confuse yourself with no, Jesus Christ. Right. I'm not confused. I'm convinced. <laughs> oh,
1: you're virgin, Yo. You're he the unconquerable the Jesus, Jesus, Jones. Jesus Jones. Sent this so living water. Here's another cup so of living water. She's chosen for me Haters, they're hoping to see me Hopelessly nailed to the tree Burning in hell for my G So Christ-like So birth without a father The stripes hurt, I'm not a martyr Like a bitch, a devil's daughter Be conscious how you caught her Out of chaos, order. These bars, these verses, these scars These curses, my only visible blessing My well-managed depression Suppression of the fact we hate being black we fake, right and exact It's like God's and any father out here Banging over Bibles for titles While his babies having babies Putting all faith in their rifles Channel hate to murder rivals Only beef, they look just like you They're expressing hate for self They're oppressed like no one else Their oppressors deem the lesser To extract from them their wealth No one's come to save them Did God make them black? Everybody hates them Go meditate on that for me. Haters are hoping to see me hopelessly nailed to the tree, burning in hell for my G. So light, like my illuminated aura. Real change, a water borer. Prophetist, a reporter, judge of judges. I'm Barack. Obama, I am not. I'm more like P.D. Green infused with Dr. Bobby Wright. Amos Wilson on the Nielsen Sound. Scares us, truth and rights. Introducing you to life. Life's youth introduced to a flawless way to do shit. Disregard the blueprint. If you God, then who this? Go meditate on that. The ice is thoroughly melted. There's no way to escape or facts. The queen historically sings for the fact that I am back. Hosanna to the Prana, the ghetto God's piano. Nothing's wrong with auto-tubes if nothing's wrong with cracks and ammo. The hustle has been knocked. The stock value has dropped. Now half the black community lacks for inhaling the rock. So Christ-like, so birth without a bomb. Bar- The cat sat on the Jesus, she's Jones, and for me, haters, they're hoping to see me Hopelessly nailed to the tree, burning in hell for my G So hardcore, you are so harmless as a dove This armor's for the slugs, peace offers for the love This coffin's for the grudge The beef between the elders and the youngins The husband and his woman The beef between the NPCs and sb hundreds The beef between the beat machines and live drummers drumming This is Jesus Jones, I mean embrace the second coming Sickness living water as it springs from less than nothing Everything is everything, in fact the all and all is nothing I'm I'm of nothing. The almond raw among them, as opposed to money hoes and clothes. Redemption songs I sung them. I suppose for cease to pro, they'll need this light. Therefore I sun them whenever the need to breathe, the rises. wise is who you summon? Go meditate on that. feel sorry for you, if anything at all, I'll pull down your pants, take off my belt, and whoop your behind.
0: What's up, and I am back. That was part one of our Dr. Amos Wilson feature entitled Beyond White Racism, Civil Rights, and Onward to African Revolution. For more from Brother Amos Wilson, visit us at Constantization101.com or c101magazine.com and do a search on Amos Wilson and you will find his books that we've curated for our library. You also find articles and musical commentaries that we produce which were inspired by Dr. Amos Wilson's analysis and much, much more. This episode has featured sounds from... Chairman Mav's album, Zoo. The tracks were Lovers, Elephant, and The End and Wise Intelligence album The Talented Timothy Taylor. The track was Still Black and his album, Wise Intelligent is the Unconquerable Jesus Jones. The track was So Jesus featuring Ty Austin. And as usual, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at conchian1, that's C-O-N. S-C-I-E-N and the number one on Facebook at conscientization 101 and Instagram at C101 Editors. Also, go to the site at Constantization101.com or C101Magazine.com and sign up to that mailing list. Thanks for listening and be on the lookout for part two. Talk to you guys soon.